two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. That is Matthew 18.20. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another installment of Thinking Well Podcast. I'm Kyle. This is Tom. This is Bryce. Hello, gentlemen. What's up? What's going on, guys? Oh, you'd know. Same old, same old. (laughs) (laughs) How was your guys' week? It was good. It was good. I had a I had a range day this week, so those are always good. It's always a good way to end the week. Good man, good. Yours is good, Bryce. Yep, same thing, different week. Yeah. What about you, Kyle? Uh, it was a week. It was it was a little rough. Not gonna lie. Really? It was a little, it, yeah, it was a rough rough week. Just sickness and and work, and it was just it was a rough week. But yeah, God's still on the throne, so he still. Uh, He's, he's still got my back. Thanks. Well, this week uh, is a truth nugget. We are going to dive into uh, a couple of topics, first of which being campus churches or satellite churches, uh, multi-site churches. I'm just going to cover all the bases of what they might be called. Um, and then uh, we will get into life groups, small, you know, small groups that also have many names. Um, but we want to look at both individually and, uh, you know, see what scripture has to say about them, um, historically, you know, what has been the president and, uh, just kind of, you know, give him some informed answers through uh, scripture. Yeah. Uh, it's an interesting topic. It's something that I've, uh, had a lot of discussions about and, uh, done a lot of studying about, uh, mostly in, uh, I went to a seminary for like a semester and a half and before I moved back up out of God's country, um, unfortunately, but I came back. Um, but I've always thought it was interesting. I've for a while, I would have probably kind of leaned toward it being eh, like, I don't know. Yeah, neither um, but I've come to a, a pretty firm uh, conviction on it from a from a doctrinal standpoint uh, against. Just so we clarify that, um, but there's I, there's still lingering questions that I had originally asked that I had to find answers for, and that um, it's one of those things. As Baptists, we say no, but then there are things that we talked about, for example, during our, our missions um, series that when you look at them, are they not campus churches, but spread out across across the globe? Uh, we won't get back on that, though. I'll, I'll reference that just one time or maybe well, twice. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I, I think this issue is a lot more gray than a lot of people realize. Um and uh, there are definitely some interesting questions to bring up. I, I agree with you. I think the overall question is multi-site churches scriptural. I think the answer is no. I think you could definitely land there. But there are some questions, some outliers that are, uh, I think, also in scripture that you say, okay, but what is, how would you reconcile this, right? right? But before we get into any of that, I, I think it's important to, to define really what we're talking about, right? Um, a multi-site church, satellite, campus church, um, the way that I would define it, as, it would be as really a branch of another church or multiple branches of a head church 
that broadcasts. Uh, most times you see it, it's some kind of video message every week. Um, and that's how they conduct their preaching. Every week it's just a video, uh, either pre, uh, you know, pre-recording or a live kind of Zoom kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's no, at these branches, there's not, you know, an ordained pastor um, that heads the church um, like you would see in a lot of independent Baptist churches. Instead, they have a, a video message um, do that. And in a lot of times, they are governed by that head church, meaning that voting processes, any real decisions that go on uh, throughout the church, uh, the head church also gets a say or is the end all power um, to really make changes in the church. So that's how I would define campus satellite multi-site churches. Um, I think that's the most common practice I think nowadays mm-hmm. of what you see that that model is really what you see a lot of is it though because I I don't see a lot of and now again I'm not I haven't been to you know a lot of churches relative to my age and how long I've been in church um, but I've never seen a church where they played a video on the Sunday instead yeah. of someone talk uh, so like how how common in, in comparison to how many churches there are to how many do that there are like, a lot of Southern Baptist churches that actually have it's, campus it's churches. Com- it's pretty it's common. pretty prevalent. Really? Um, there's even some, there's even two or three or two that I can absolutely say that I won't call out. Um, oh, that, I was about to drop that names. That aren't necessarily Baptist churches, but uh, would share some Baptistic doctrines. Um, still would not be Baptist because they don't even have the name on their door. Uh, that's a different episode. So but like for example, Bryce, like in Southern Arizona, some of our family... Um, in the past, I've gone to those churches um, where they have, you know, one in Casa Grande, Chandler, Tucson, Marana, whatever. But the head church is up in Phoenix, Scottsdale mm-hmm. area. Yep. They do their own worship, um, music, right, for an hour or mm-hmm. whatever. Uh, and then everyone sits down. It's usually like in a theater or school. And they broadcast from their main, their main office, their main campus up in northern Phoenix to the rest of the satellite churches. So pretty I'm, common. I'm gonna, but, but is it more common than other types of satellite churches? Because, like, uh, just to throw a name, like the biggest Christ Chapel, they have a ton of different campuses. But I know they have pastors on each one of their sites, right? They don't listen to, they don't watch videos. So, like, there, I would argue to say that's more common. Now, we'll get into whether that's called a satellite church or not, or how that works. I'm assuming we'll talk about that, but. I would argue to say that's more common to have multiple campuses where one's like the main campus that makes all the decisions, but each they have campuses in the name of the same organization with their own pastors on site. That's probably more common than watching videos, I would argue. So I wouldn't definitely, I wouldn't necessarily define a satellite church as something as a group of churches that has a sermon piped in every week. Uh, I would define them as a group of churches that all report up to a head church in an area uh, that all are consider themselves part of that head church as a whole, even though they do not assemble together, they assemble in these fractured uh, assemblies. I see. Right. Uh, that that would be uh, just to kind of amend, not not to say Kyle's definition was wrong, but to amend it and kind of get away from the video thing. It's not Cause, only because there it's are not some that video. do video and there are some that don't. Right. Um, 
I, I think with either one, you've got all these uh, associate pastors or campus pastors that report to a lead pastor. Um, and these campus pastors then pastor all these separate little portions of the church. Um, yeah, well, that's what I want to make sure. Yeah, I want to make that, sure our I listeners... I would call that... I would, no, it's I would good say that's a satellite yeah. my, my personal experience has been with the yeah. Strictly video uh, instead of preaching. Um, but no, that's, that's a good point, yeah, too. I, well, think, I, think I just want to know if they were the here, same thing or if there yeah, was a, if, if, so. we were gonna, yeah. if we were going to yeah. separate it on purpose. I think they're definitely the same thing. And even some of the, even there's some churches that do hybrids of that, right? Like the the lead pastor, they'll only have him piped in for one service out of the month. And that's like their, their big service out of the month. And then the rest of the month, however many Sundays that is, either three or four, depending on if there's five Sundays in a month, right? Uh, the rest of the month, the campus pastors lead the services and they bring the message. Now you'll also have situations where um, the lead pastor rotates, out to the campus churches and the campus pastors, like they go around and just kind of rotate to different churches. Now that, what do you do with, okay, I'm going to start asking some, some questions, right? What do you do with the traveling pastors um, in older times historically, right? Pastors, former pastors of this church that pastored multiple churches because that was the pastor the churches could find. Um, and so they would have a Sunday morning service at one church. They would have a Sunday at Sunday afternoon service at another church, and they would have a Sunday evening church at a third church and receiving funds from all three churches. Uh, does the pastor make it a campus church? No. I would say no. Agre agreed. Agreed. But at the same time, I don't think we can say if they didn't call it that back then, would it still be where some of this pattern is coming from, um, from a thought process perspective? Not that it matches up 100%, right? Um, there's... I would say there were two, there would be two majorly different ways that you could look at a campus at campus churches. You've either got churches that all pay up tithe and are members of a main church, but they meet in separate locations. That was going to be my point on right. the tithe as well. Um, a lot of those models too they they feed up they to the main church, yep. um, which I highly disagree with. X X amount of the weekly offerings go to the funds of the main primary church. of the main church, right, right? right? The main campus church. Um, and then the second one, the, the second model that I would say for the campus churches would be the one where um, they actually have a centralized pastor and he does go around and like preach at the different campus churches. And he just, there's just a whole lot of campus pastors that report up to him and they fill in for him at the main campus when he's out preaching at the other campus churches. Um, so you have associate pastors that what we would consider associate pastors that they would consider campus pastors that are pastoring these small assemblies. Um, and the verse that we started with is one of the verses that um, 
people like to quote a lot when they're talking about like, well, you know, where the Bible does say where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I with them also. And they want to say like, that's a church, right? It's cherry picking um, at its finest right there. Oh yeah. Like that is literally walking through an orchard and finding a single pear on the ground that someone dropped and being like, see, apple trees can grow pears. <laughs> like, no, no, they can't. No, absolutely. The con the context is so important. That yeah. whole passage in 18 refers to church discipline. Yeah. Not how, uh, what formulates a church or mm -hmm. what constitutes as a church. That, that's not, you're nowhere near. And and that's a different episode, right? But yeah. contextually, the, you're exactly right. That's what it's talking about. It's because it, one of the steps, right, is that you gather more witnesses to go and talk to this person. And that's that at that point is when Christ said, where two or three are gathered in my name. Like right. you would be rep. If there's two or three of you that have gone to this person together, you're a representation of that local church to that person. Right. 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 Um, you don't constitute the entire church. Um, but yeah, absolutely. Right. And I, I, that's, that's kind of one of the reasons why, why we started with that is just to, kind of gives some clarity on that, that a campus, if the three of us were to get together at Kyle's house hey. um, on a Thursday night and have church, well, that wouldn't be, you know, Lake Worth Baptists in Saginaw, right? It would just be three members of the church getting together to have a Bible study. Right, right. Um but it, it's still, it's, it's one of those burning questions, right? And Kyle, we kind of talked about this a little bit before, but if, if Peter, Church of Jerusalem, probably what we would consider a lead pastor of the Church of Jerusalem, right? Yeah, I would say so. Um, not that the other 11 were less competent, but... Um, well, he, he, well, he was put in place right, as the right. head of the Church of Jerusalem. Yeah. So if Peter... And the Bible does say, and I'll just kind of really, really quickly, I wanted to make mention of this. The Bible does say in Acts uh, 2, 46, when speaking of the church at Jerusalem, they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added unto the church daily such as would be saved. So the church at Jerusalem also made it a habit of meeting during the week uh, to get together, to be taught, to break bread together in houses. My, I, I guess one of my, one of the questions that I had to answer for myself, which I don't know that I can, but if Peter would have had the technology available to him to put a TV screen, because we're talking 15 to, the estimates kind of vary, but we're talking 15 to 25,000 members of the Church of Jerusalem, right? Would he have had the other 11 apostles like be the, I'm doing air quotes again, people, the campus pastors and had different meeting spots around Jerusalem to have church together on the Lord's day, if he would have had that technology available to him. It's a great question. It's, it's hard for me to say. Yeah, I don't no. know that I can answer that yeah, question. I mean, um, the furtherance of the gospel is just that, right? So if you have that capability, it's hard for me to sit here and say, no, don't do that. 
of course. Um, now, do I think that there's scriptural, a scriptural model to how to, how to formulate churches and where I think some lines are set in the sand of, Hey, if, if you cross this area, you're no longer an independent self-governed assembled group of believers. Um, I, I really think that's where a lot of, you know, for example, Catholicism kind of went wrong, um, where they, they started introducing this hierarchy structure from the original model. Um, and, I've said it before, but over thousands, thousands of years, that's how we've gotten to where we are. Um, but no, it's, it's a good question. Right. And that's kind of what I was saying earlier, you know, just this, this question, this, this topic isn't as black or white as you probably think it is. Um, and there's definitely questions like that. You have to kind of think through and say, I don't know. I don't know what he would have done, but I know that, you know, having, uh, your own set aside assembled group of believers that governs themselves is scriptural. So that's what, that's what we have to get to, right? Um, is a disjointed spiritual body, a legitimate church. Um, so I've got a couple of books sitting here, one by uh, a former pastor and current, um, Traveling, traveling evangelist, traveling evangelist oh, here at uh, here at Lake Worth. Um, it's a it's a great little book called "Still a Baptist, Neither Angry Nor Ashamed of It." And I say little book, but it's a a, a substantial read. And one of the things that uh, Brother Jerry and I've also got a book here by uh, Davis Huckabee, uh, "Studies on Church Truth," and he uses the exact same verses and the exact same examples that I'm going to bring out of Brother Jerry's book. One of the first things that we have to define when we're talking about campus churches is what is a church, right? Yeah, it's a good starting place. It's a called out assembly of believers. Uh, One of the things that uh, Brother Jerry brings out is the Greek word ekklesia, which is translated church. It just means called out assembly. Now, there, the word church is mentioned 115 times in the New Testament, and it's translated the first time, and he, he goes through and he lists all these times. Uh, you can find them in uh, Matthew 16, 18. In 2 Corinthians, it's mentioned nine times, uh, 2 Corinthians 1, 1, 8, 1. 18, 19, 23, 24. Uh, in Galatians, it's mentioned three times. I'm not going to read through all of these, but in James, it's mentioned uh, one time. In Hebrews, it's mentioned two times. In Revelation, it's mentioned 20 times. But of the 115 times, there are, o- there are only five different ways that this word ecclesia is used. The first time, it was used in reference to the assembled nation of Israel in the wilderness, right? And that was in Acts 7:38. And that's talking about, was, was Israel a New Testament church? No, they were a called out. They, they had been called out of Egypt, right? The nation itself was called out by God and they were in the wilderness, right? So it was a called out assembly in the wilderness. Uh, Ecclesia was used two times of a civil assembly. So a, a group of people were called to a place, right? And so it was, again, a called out assembly. Now, 98 times it's used to reference a local visible congregation. 
Only 11 times is it used in a generic, non-specific, institutional sense with no uh, congregation in mind, but also not viewed as universal or invisible, right? It's when the church is used as an institution, it's not meant to be like a big universal, but an institution made up of individual churches. So, for example, you would say uh, the, the church in Lake Worth could be said of, you could also be said the churches in Lake Worth, the Baptist churches in Lake Worth. And there's, there's a few of them here in town, right? Right. right. But as a, as a singular plural, it would apply to the Baptist church in Lake Worth as a whole, but more of an, not a invisible institutional sense, but a physical, like the church as an institution. So when you look at those, not a single time, is it used in this universal, invisible sense? And what you'll find with a lot of these campus churches is that they believe in universal church doctrine. What does that mean? What that means is that all believers who are saved and baptized are baptized into a invisible, global-spanning, universal church. And we can we can study this out, and with this, this would probably have to be a whole nother episode. But you will not find a single reference in the Bible anywhere that supports the idea of a universal, invisible church. As we just covered, there are multiple. If you'd like to get a, a list of those, um, we will give you our email address and where you can uh, give us questions at the end of the episode. But uh, 115 times, there's there's 117 if you look at some other passages in the New Testament, but not a single one of them, universal, invisible church. Now, a lot of these campus churches will be like, well, we're all, we're all part of this invisible universal body anyway, so it doesn't really matter where we meet or if there's a head church, we're, we're all part of the church, Christ's church anyway. And so then at that point, you have the liberty to, yeah, okay. Well, yes and no. yes. As a believer, um, we're all believers here. We are all brothers in Christ. Um, throughout all the world, all time, all of history, there are believers in Christ. And as prophecy has it, as as many passages call us the bride of Christ, he's coming back for his church, he's back for his bride. There is a, a sense of communion in that sense that we are all collectively saved from eternal separation from God. But there's no reference, you won't find it in, the, in this book, the, you won't find it in there of any reference of uh, a global, you know, Tom said invisible, you know, church that we all belong to. Um, I think you find quite the opposite. Um, I think Christ calls us to salvation first, obviously, bat- baptism to uh, become part of a church, a local set apart assembly. Um, it's actually quite the opposite. Yeah. And there's, so there's where they get that is a, a misunder, I would, I would call it a misunderstanding of a couple of key terms, right? So you've got, 
you've got the church, right, as a local New Testament church. And so the argument would be, well, because we're part of this grand church and we meet in these different places, we're not really members of that main church. We're just members of the universal church. And the fact that our our tithes, some of our tithes and stuff are funneling up to the main church, that's just in support of a, a bigger ministry. So there's there's not really anything wrong with that. Well, where does local church autonomy come in? Like if if the main church votes on something, do all the campus churches get to vote on it as well? If the campus churches vote, if one of the campus churches vote on something, does the main church get input there as well? And it goes back again, like last time I'll bring up the missions thing. If if our mission works, which are technically churches, once they are assembled and they have believers, right, are supposed to be members of our, the home church until the church gets organized. Well, is that not a campus church? But so much further disjointed from what a typical campus church would be here in the United States. Um, so I think we've really got to be careful in that aspect because we can't as Baptists say, well, a campus church in the same town, a bunch of campus churches in the same town is a bad thing, but campus churches spread out across the globe are not. That's called missions. Um, we, we just, well, I, I think we've got to be careful about how we approach that. I, I don't, because of the local called out assembly of believers definition of church, I, I don't think Peter would have um, piped that to separate locations because I believe when you read there in Acts, what was happening is they were so hungry for the gospel that they could not stand not meeting and not being together and not learning together and not discussing the the message from Sunday or uh, not having one of the apostles there to expound the word to them. Uh, that when you look at that, it, it's not a concept to me of the churches of the church at Jerusalem meeting disjointedly. It would be kind of on the second topic of life groups, small groups, right? Um, which for us, a lot of times we would consider our Sunday morning before church. Yeah, or, or men's Bible study. Or men's Bible study. Uh, uh, here at this like church, that, yeah. Right? They have a, a weekly, I think it's weekly, the Tuesdays that the women get together. Mm-hmm. Um, or just sometimes we have like fellowship things, right? Where, um, you know, we get together and we, we fellowship as believers of the Lakewood Baptist yeah. Church. Um, is it a separate church every time we do that? No. We, we, get together outside of our main services mostly just because this faith this book um, it requires more than twice a week and a lot of our members uh, like to dive in any chance they get yeah but that doesn't make them a separate church every time we do right so it's yeah it's important distinction I, I think that's important distinction and then like you said what scripturally constitutes as a church because I think you hold that against a lot of these campus churches that's where the glaring image kind of comes pretty clear of okay you you don't look like what is said in acts you you don't you don't look like what scripture uh, prescribes as this is a church and I think that is the biggest thing right the model is 
I, I, I have an interesting opinion on the model. I, I think a lot of the model, um, I think it's, again, I think it could be lazy. I think a lot of it is lazy. Um, and I think a lot of it lends to, I'm not saying every campus church is like this, but I think it lends to um, some more temptation with the changing of funds, uh, members, uh, how you, how you treat them and, and, and how you garner funds. I, I think it can be, it can get really dangerous really fast. Well, and at that point when I would have to agree with that, especially in the aspect of, are these other pastors not qualified enough to lead those churches? Right. Well, and then that also the, you're, the you're taking pastor, them off of the mission field as well if they've yeah if, if that they're the called pastor elsewhere. has to deliver a message as if and this again i'm not speaking condemnation on the pastors but as if what he what the holy spirit has revealed to him through his study of god's word is more excellent or more important than what those individual pastors had studied for during the week and what had been revealed to them um I think conceptually, the way we would have to look at it is if we, we do have some members that come here that uh, live over in Keller, like North Richland Hills area, which it's a substantial drive, especially on a Wednesday night. Uh, but let's say we started, we got to a point where 50 of our members lived in that area and they were driving 30 and even a little bit further, right? They were driving 30, 45 minutes to get to church every single time we had a service. So as a church, we say, well, if there are 50 people coming from that area, and then we're also getting visitors from that area to the tune of 10 to 15 a, a week, like not the same every week, but we've got this family that comes from over there once a once a month. And there's another family, a, another handful of families from over there that come once a month and they would come more often, but they just have a difficulty making the drive, which is how a lot of these campus churches start, right? Like, Oh, we've got our, our church is preaching truth and there's there are things going on in our church is growing exponentially and it the the lord is using that to draw people into his church the that local body um then they're like well if we've got that many people over there then we should just get a building over there and start having church over there and we'll send one of our associate pastors over to pastor that church but it'll be an associate pastor. It won't be the lead pastor of that church because it's going to be a campus church and we're, we're going to help support them to get started. Right. And here's the, here's all the logical pitfalls that happen because they only have this many members. We're going to help support them financially so that they can get that building and, you know, kind of get the, that, that church off that little baby church off the ground over there. Um, and then once they get established, then they'll just pay 10% of their 10% will come back to the main church and we, that can help with ministries in that area and then potentially to broaden the, the scope or broaden our coast, right? So that we have further reach maybe up into Azel 
or all the way out to Weatherford, right? Going in the opposite direction of where we sit at here in Lake Worth. So from for, for those that aren't from the area, uh, North Richland Hills Keller would be about 30 to 45 minutes um, northeast of where we're at in Lake Worth, whereas Weatherford would be uh, probably a good 20 to 30 minutes, depending uh, on the time of day, yeah, right? Yeah, I would say so. Um, southwest of us. Um, so that would be Weatherford would be the same kind of concept in the opposite direction. And so we start doing these outreaches in Weatherford, right? And all of a sudden people are coming from Weatherford and we've got 50 people coming from Weatherford and we're like, you know what? It worked well over in the Keller North Richland Hills area. Let's apply that same concept to Weatherford and we'll send this other associate pastor that the Lord has raised up within our church to go pastor that church, but we're still going to follow that same. And I think that's the logic. Is it good to help the church that we're trying to establish over in Keller North Richland Hills? Absolutely. A hundred percent. Should there be a pastor for that specific congregation? Yes. A hundred percent. But should he be an associate pastor? Nope. Should we, uh, after supporting them for amount of time until they get on their feet, should we then continue to take, to get funds from them that funnel up to the ministries of this church in Lake Worth? Well, they should be using those funds to reach out past further east of Keller North Richland Hills. And when you get to that point, what we're really talking about is local church area missions because that's what we did we started a mission over in well i i would even say we didn't even start a mission if you've already got 50 congregants right? started you started the church, church yeah. over there you sent a pastor over there and it is a hundred percent um it would be a hundred percent beneficial for us to support that pastor until that church could support itself but then at that point once the church is self-sufficient that's a new church. Yeah. That's not Lake Worth Baptist of Keller. That's not Lake Worth Baptist of North Richland Hills. That's Keller Baptist Church. Um, or whatever they end up calling Or, or it. whatever yeah. they want. The Faith Baptist of Keller. They you know, they, they yeah, they can call themselves yeah. whatever they want. Um, so where do, you th- where do you think, Tom, where do you think, because it sounds like the intention, because I, I can walk myself through the process and be like, okay, like you want to help. You, you, you think that you are actively spreading the word and but you still want to kind of have a little bit of control what's happening and you like being able to support that church with teachers pastors uh you know literature whatever it is right um in my mind i can get there right maybe the intention isn't always bad but i guess is it scriptural though that's the thing right because i think you can have good intentions and still be wrong oh a hundred percent the the you look at the martyrs of the Baptist faith, the people that killed them were well-intentioned, but they were wrong. Um, They were well-intentioned for their own purposes, right? Not for godly purposes. Um, And just so everyone knows, I'm not saying all of this as like hyperbole in a vacuum. I I have there, there's a, there's a couple of specific campus churches that I have studied. There's actually a campus church where I frequently listen to their Sunday morning messages. And if you ignore the campus and universal church stuff, which they don't really preach on shockingly enough, um, 
solid messages from every single one of their pastors. Like I get something out of it every single time I listen. Um, so I, I don't want anybody to think that just because there's like a practicing campus church that there that, that people aren't getting saved out there and that no, those people no. don't know yeah, don't yeah. know Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. That's that's not what we're saying at all. Um, Christ will triumph. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, and one of these days we're all going to be in heaven, and some of this stuff is just going to be like really we, we we had some contention about some campus churches. Um, yes. Yeah, so, so I guess before you get in, into this this next part about the biblical truth of it all just to ask a question that you'll probably answer in your next segment why does it matter so like let's like i could see why uh satellite churching and like having a head pastor and then like everyone else is an associate pastor the other campuses and that head pastor dictates what the curriculum is that they teach i could see how that's um, like I, I can, I could obviously find a reason on why that's not like, yeah, that's not okay. Right. Um, but let's say that isn't the case, but they still funnel money up to the main campus, but it's their own pastor. They are able to teach on what they want to teach. The only thing is they funnel money up to their original place that helped start them. Do you think? God really cares. Like as, as long as everything else is like, there's still money for them to go out and do uh, advertising and outreach and everything's fine, but they just still have, Hey, this, this is the, this is just what we've done. Like for the longest time, like, do you think that really matters? Like, and I'm, I'm just curious. So I think when it comes to things like that, you have to talk about church perpetuity. Okay. Um, so when you talk about church perpetuity, you talk about the legacy of tracing your church history all the way back to the time of Christ and when he called out the 12 apostles, right? The problem you have there is that an organization um, does not support church perpetuity. There are, as a matter of fact, several Baptist organizations, the Southern Baptist Convention being one of them that follows that exact same pattern. Because when you look at that, with the Southern Baptist Convention kind of being the ruling body, um, there are even some areas of the Southern Baptist uh, Convention and other parachurch organizations where you look at them and they'll place pastors in churches. The churches do not elect the pastors. The, the, the problem when you get into that is now you're making the government of the church no longer local. Now, let's say we have a church where the government is local, but they're funneling funds up to a different supporting entity. For what? Most of these campus churches, their main campus are running three to 10,000 people on a Sunday. They're having three or four church services. Why do they need any funds from those other churches? When you get into things like that, it becomes more about the organization or in some cases, the, the horrible, horrible dark side of it is it becomes about the pastor like the centralized pastor and you've got all these people following this pastor and they're no longer following Christ. And when you get into that metric, well now nobody's checking the pastor anymore. 
nobody's making sure that like fact checking him, making sure that what he's preaching is biblical because there's been this culture that's made it all about the lead pastor at the campus church. And I'm not saying they all go that route, but when you get into the organizational form of government in that aspect where you have this kind of centralized government that's not part of the church body and, but you're part of it. Um, you, you, you're no longer functioning as an, as an independent church anymore because you still, at some point, somebody from that other organization can come in and try to leverage something. Right. Um, and the only people, the only person that should be able to exercise authority over the local church is the Holy spirit and Christ that should be the only authority we're following because that's how we set it up. It's the Bible specifically says that Christ is the head of the church. And a lot of people want to take that doctrine and put a head on top of a neck that's attached to a body and say, that's how the church is set up. That's not how a church is set up. How you have to picture it is Christ is a head, not part of the body, but as an authority, he's the head. And then the body is the head and the shoulders and everyone plays their part. And the head would be your church leadership, right? Uh, specifically the pastor that was ordained by the church. And when you're looking at the concept of the body, right? Like every single member of the body, which is the church, uh, the finger has a function, the toe has a function. Uh, there's no one that's not valuable. And when you look at that from a campus church or from even a disjointed kind of weird mission concept, right? Well, now you've got a body whose hand is not attached to it. It's off trying to function as a, just a lone hand somewhere. Well, not to take the metaphor too far, but who's telling the hand what to grab if, if the eyes aren't there to see what needs to be grabbed? They're, the direction isn't there. The hand doesn't have all the support that it needs. The hand needs to be attached to the body. You can't have a universal body because there's no attachment there. You, you would have... Now, what you can have is Christ as the head over his churches and each church is then its own individual body with a complete head, shoulders, knees and toes, all the stuff, right? That's where the disconnect is. That that's exactly where the disconnect is. That is that is where the disconnect is. So, yeah, a lot of a lot of churches, especially these uh, multi-site campus churches, they they forget that each church is supposed to have its own head yep. being primarily the pastor and then as it goes down, this metaphor is very figuratively speaking of, yeah. a, of a body of an anatomical body, but um, you know, the deacons, the trustees, church leadership, right? Um, but th- the idea, the, 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 I don't know, the, the, the idea of all of it is that each church has its own head and they govern themselves. So to answer your question is, is Christ looking down saying, Oh no, this is, this is a huge issue and, and we need to solve this. I don't not necessarily because I think Christ can use these churches um, in any way that he pleases. Are, are people coming to salvation through these churches? Absolutely. But when you look at what has been set forth in the gospels, 
what's been set forth as or in acts of, hey, this is how we structure church. This is how we operate as a church. I think that as as Christians, we we, we have to hold up scripture against foreign objects, things of this world, things of the flesh and say, does it match up? And if it doesn't, it garners some questions. Okay, what's wrong? Is it the scripture wrong or is the church wrong? What can we do to fix it? What can we do to be more like this book that is in the inspired word of God? And the, the biggest thing I would caution to measure the answer to that question against is, is a person, for example, the lead pastor, trying to replace Christ as the authoritative head of a bunch of churches because no one is allowed to take the place of Christ. It's his, they're his churches. They're not, they don't belong to a pastor. They don't belong to an organization. And that's what we should be measuring those things against. Anytime an organization or a person or a main campus church is trying to replace Christ as the authoritative head of a bunch of churches, that he won't stand for that. Not saying that they won't, that people won't be saved underneath their ministry. You look at the instance in the Bible where the disciples came running to Christ and they were like, that guy over there, we've mentioned this before on the podcast, like that guy over there, he's, he's preaching the gospel. He's preaching your name. And Christ was like, is he preaching against us specifically? Mm. And they were like, well, no, but he's just not with us. And Christ was like, uh, leave him alone. Uh, makes sense. So if I were in the neighborhood of a campus church that uh, I just happened to know was preaching gospel truth, right? Or a Southern Baptist church that preached gospel truth or an American Baptist Association or a greater association of regular Baptist churches um, that, I, that I needed to drop in on to hear a, a gospel message on a Sunday, would I not drop in on those churches, I would be more apt to drop in on those churches than, uh, the Lake church, right? I would be more apt to drop in on, you know, the, if I were traveling through here and I had the choice, but, and I was a Baptist and I had the choice between Lake Worth Baptist church or the Lake church, um, I, I would probably stop at Lake Worth Baptist, right? Cause the Lake church and we'll be, we'll be doing an episode like this here in a few weeks. Um, they, they don't even care to tell you what they believe. They just, you just know that they're by a Lake somewhere. Um, so yeah, w- whether or not Lake worth, I wouldn't know just by driving by whether or not Lake worth was associated with some kind of convention or something like that. Um, so yeah, uh, that would be, I, I think from a campus church perspective, that's where I wound up falling Um, even with all the questions that I had, like at the end of the day, can I answer all of those questions scripturally? No, but what I can answer is Christ should never be surplanted as the authoritative head of his churches. And anytime we get into that realm, that's when we should turn the other way. No, I think that's the healthiest way to look at it. I think that's the biggest scriptural problem, the the biggest moral problem that you have with it. Um, If that is happening, obvious, blatant, disregard for the Godhead and his authority over the church. Um, yeah, that's overwhelmingly wrong. Um, but I, I, I do see the side of this where I, I think that although intentions aren't everything, um, not every mega church, we're not even talking about mega churches, separate episode, multi-site churches, um, 
campus churches, not all of them are guilty of replacing Christ sure. right, with, with a person. Um, but my warning is be careful because I think it's a lot easier to. It's a lot easier to, to fall off mm-hmm. and get into some, some dicey waters with, with that offense, with financial offenses, um, starting to look at, at people as dollar signs instead of people. Yeah. Um, it, it's a slippery slope. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying everybody's guilty of it. There's no condemnation. But I, I think it lends itself to a lot of temptation that, um, who knows, maybe Christ structured it the other way, the way that we have, you know, propagated our church and how other churches are supposed to be started independently to avoid some of that. To avoid those pitfalls specifically. Yeah. Right. And I think that that could be the case. And then to, to kind of go back, Tom, to what you were saying, you know, in, you know, you gave the Keller or, or Weatherford example, right? How great would it be, right, if we had 50 members um, all traveling from Keller and North Litchin Hills that said, you know what, they all got together with the leadership of this church and said, hey, can we as a church start praying for men to be raised up in this church or the one of the associate pastors or one of our, one of our uh, teaching staff, one of our preaching staff mm-hmm. that, hey, let's start praying about it and let's start thinking about, hey, if, 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 the, if the Holy Spirit would lift somebody up as a pastor to go to Keller and start a church, let's see if that's, if that's God's will, if that's, if the Holy Spirit works in that direction, that would be the correct way to go about it. It's, it's not like any other quote unquote mission work, right? It's church, it's, it's church. Yeah. It's church uh, propagation. That's all it is. the, the, The great thing about that is number one, that's the only way a church split should ever happen. Right. Right. Yeah. And although, um, yeah, and although it, yeah. part of it would be like, oh, we're losing some of our members yeah. and it, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't all be pleasant. Right. But sure. they, you see that over and over again with the churches in the New Testament. They broke off, they left, they planted yep. new churches and they thrived. That is the scriptural model. And yeah, they'd be right down the road. We can go, it, vi- we can go visit them. It, it falls right into line with church perpetuity too, yep. because members of a church prayed they had a burden for an area that church sent someone. And in this case, we, you're not just sending a, a, a preacher, right? You're sending a congregation, like a baby congregation, and they're going to do a church plant over there and that they're, they become their own church. And that it it's beautiful because it was started under, under, under Christ's authority. And it was, it was the only kind of split that should ever happen. Right, right. Yeah, it's a beautiful picture mm-hmm. of the propagation of Christ's church. I mean, the church. Yep. That's how it's supposed yep. to happen. Um, how how great would it be if 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 we had that many visitors, that many people regularly attending, that that became our biggest issue, right? How great would that be? Right, and then we had to do it over and over yeah. and over again. Yeah, that that'd be that'd be great. And I, I think that a lot of a lot of churches they they just miss they miss that independent part that that's where they 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 veer and they say hey we're still going to have somewhat of a control here um and I, I think that's where they start getting sideways a little bit um, but ladies and gentlemen yeah if, if that were to happen in any church yes help them get on their feet right there's gonna be some funding that needs to be happening although with 50 people that are i mean that's a if, if that's i mean that's the, a pretty that's, decent if that's the metric that we're using church, yeah. um, that are all uh tithing or, or giving more than 10 percent their offerings and tithes um you can get a lot done in a short period of time but yeah if there needs to be some financial oversight of hey we're going to secure this building uh, we're going to get this put in place 
great. Let's secure that. Let's get that started. But as soon as like as soon as they're self-sufficient, mm-hmm. cut the ties. Hey, they are their own independent local assembly of believers. Would we would we give that any less support than we would a missionary? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That's that that's the way I would look at it's it. It's it's the same exact yep. thing. They just happen to be in our backyard. Yep. That's the exact same thing. But yeah, I would just say be careful. You know, if 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 you are attending or have attended, I would just say just dive into Acts. Acts Acts is a, a wonderful book. Love it. Church history is amazing. It answers a lot of questions. Um that's where a lot of this comes from. Mm-hmm. It really comes from Acts. But yeah, I would just say as a lot of these things, it can, you know, it can lead to temptation and it can be, it can be used to harm others um, and definitely to put people where Christ should be. And if that ever happens, obviously that, that is not right. Yeah. So kind of goes with that, right? The whole life groups, small groups thing. And we've, we've touched on it a little bit, so I don't want to, we don't need to spend a whole bunch of time here. I think we can see from that passage that I read in Acts that life groups, small groups are definitely biblical. Uh, and I would argue that if you're using a life group or a small group to replace a regularly attended service, then you're getting into an issue. Right? Backwards. Yeah. Yeah. But if you're using a life group or a small group to supplement, because you just don't feel like, so here at our church, we've got uh, Sunday morning service. Uh, most of us stick around and eat together, and then we have an afternoon service, right? Uh, by the way, small plug for eating with your church family. Y- you will find so many examples in the New Testament of whenever people wanted to draw close to each other, they got together around food. Well, that's still true. I mean, in, in every walk of life. Yeah. I mean, what better way to get to know somebody exactly. than to break bread with them? Um, it's it's well, like, what do you do for every holiday? Like yeah. that's, that's yeah, just, it's, I mean, just do. like from a millennia past, I mean, it's just as creatures that crave a relationship, um, there's just something special. And God, Jesus definitely designed us this way. Uh, but we definitely, I think bond, heal communicate very well over a meal well and he enjoyed it while he was here too you know what i mean yeah like that that's one of one of the most common things that he was found doing was you know the pharisees were yelling at him and his disciples because they were eating with people like they, right. they didn't think that they should and hey your disciples are are eating and not washing their hands properly there was so much contention that was brought up about it because i mean it was something that christ obviously loved to do was like eat and fellowship with people um but yeah just as many opportunities as you get, because we do it a lot with family and friends, but as many opportunities as you get, get together and just like have a meal with your church family. Uh, again, we do it every week here and it, it's fantastic. It's one of the ways that when we first started coming to this church that we got to know people a whole lot better was just spending time with them at church. Um, That's what it takes. <laughs> yeah. And then we have, we have like a afternoon service and then Wednesday nights we have uh, a Wednesday night service. But I mean, we've also got uh Monday night Bible studies and uh, Kyle mentioned the the ladies study group that meets. Um, there's uh, a ladies group that does things like once a month. There's me- we do men's breakfast once a month. Uh, these are exact definitions of small groups. 
It's not the entire church getting together. It's members of the church getting together to meet, uh, to get to know each other better, uh, to support one another in the Lord. Uh, we get together, we pray, we study God's word together. Um, so, I mean, the, the simple, simple thing for life groups and small groups is that if you're using it substitutionarily, you're using it for the wrong purpose. It should be used complementarily to add to your Christian walk, your Christian study, your Christian growth. Well, I'll say this, Tom, you know, definitely if you are a saved person, right, if, if you believed in, in Christ as your Savior, that's the only way you can get to heaven, right? That he paid the price for mm-hmm. your sins. The next command is that you join a local called out assembly. You call yeah. a church, right? That's the next thing you do uh, by baptism. So, I mean, you, you can look at it and say, okay, just as the church did 2000 years ago, we're going to, we're going to assemble on the first day of the week. Um, the idea of a midweek service came later. Um, but the idea is that, as you go through this life, there's seven days in a week, as you go through this life, as you go throughout your week, how often do you need that supplement? How often do you need the word? How often do you need fellowship with other believers? And I would say as much as you possibly can, Yep. because there is an enemy and he roars like a lion. And we say it all the time here. I think it came from brother Jerry, but, um, we're lunch. Yeah. Right. We're, we can't, we can't compete with, with Satan and his, his powers. All, all he wants to do is break us down throughout the week. Um, and yeah. he does. Yeah, absolutely. And what better way to stay motivated to, you know, to be in the word and, and to pray and, and to grow in your walk with the Lord than to be around people who are trying to do the same thing multiple times a week, not just Sunday and Wednesday. Well, but you can just even go to just common sense, like outside the spiritual battles and stuff. Like, do you want to make anything a habit? Like, you want to make anything, you want to learn something? Like, what are you going to do? Go once a week and watch a YouTube video once yeah. a week on it? Like, no, you're going to, multiple days, if not every day. Yeah. If, yeah. You, if you're going to want to get in shape, you're not going to go once a week, you know, and you're going to surround yourself with people that want the same. Like, it's, it's, that's what it it's is. It's the easiest thing to, to comprehend because you do it in every other aspect of your life. So why would you not do it with your knowledge of this book? Like, it's a great point, right? Like we are, we are our environment, yep. right? Mm-hmm. If you uh, consistently stay away from your church and your church family and the book and prayer, you, you will see it in, oh, how, yeah. in how you act, what you let into your heart, the things you say, things you look at. Um, yeah, absolutely. I think it's a great point, right? To surround yourself with those things will cause a result negatively. You're moving away from things that are holy, that are profitable. Uh, but in the opposite, on the other side of the coin, if you surround yourself with people who are actively trying to get closer with the Lord, actively trying to learn more about this manual of life, the, 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 the Bible, um, and trying to learn more about God and, and really what it means to be a Christian, then it's going to be the opposite. You're, you're going to grow. You're, you're, you're going to surround yourself with things that are profitable, with things that are holy, and you're all going to grow together. That, that is, that is the main point. That's a really good point, Bryce. Yeah. yeah well, and like the other cool part about this is 
you know, if you don't do that right now and, you know, you have the stereotype of, oh, like every time they get together, they're just going to be reading a book for an hour and listen to one guy lecture me. Like, that's not what it is. Like, the, the, some of my f- best memories is, I mean, literally all my friends are from church and my family. Like, that's just how it works when you're when you're this d- deep into it. But like, just for just for story time, we do a camp every year in the summer. And this year, uh, you know, we take a trailer up there with all our music stuff and set up our, our gear and this year, we had a blood on a trailer. Now, it was a bunch of our guys, and, you know, we, we all go to church. We're all, you know, some of us were family and then friends. We had a blow up the trailer waiting for the guy to come replace the tire. We sat there and played spike ball in Summit Racing parking lot. You know, like, like, that's fellowship. You know, yeah. like, yeah, you don't always have to be deep in the word. Just grow together, spend time, enjoy each other's presence. God made us that way. He, mm-hmm. he, he wants us to have fun. He wants us to, to grow and be better people and to have a good time together. Like, that's that's the cool part about it. Like, you don't, it's not all just sit down, you know. Yes, that's a big part of it and you need to do that. But again, like, some of your best memories will come from hanging out with these kind of people. Like when everyone's on the same page, you're not sitting there arguing about political views or what this person's okay with saying it <laughs> and not. Like you guys are all in the yeah. same wavelength. You guys are just having a good time, right? Enjoying each other's presence, hanging out. That's what's important. Well, and how much easier is it too when you spend time with people in that relaxed, like not necessarily, you know, waist deep in the Bible atmosphere? Yeah. How much easier then is it to go to those people when you do have a question that's going to require you to get like waist deep in the Bible yep. and be like, hey, I'd, I'm really struggling with this. Well, now you've got that rapport built up and that relationship built up where, where when you go to them with that, you know I'm, that that person's not going to judge me for that. Nope. They're generally they're, they're genuinely interested in my spiritual well being because they're interested in everything else that I do and spending time with me and being and being a friend to me and a, and a brother or a sister to me. It, once you've built that rapport and the key to that is like, it, I don't care if you want to call it life groups. I, I don't care if you want to call it uh, Thursday night at Tom's house. You know what I mean? But. Get together with your church family. Spend some time with them. We've got several families in this church that'll just like get together with other families just to have dinner, yeah. you know, once or twice a month. Or like uh, hockey games. Yeah. You know, they'll shoot out texts yeah. like, hey guys, we're going to hockey game this Friday. Who wants to go? You know, and it's just like random text, like yeah. not consistent, just, hey, we're doing something. You guys want to come with, you know, that that's yeah. all it takes. Yeah. I mean, fellowship is one of, one of the best things to engage in within a church body. Um, there's no, there's no negative side effects mm-hmm. I think there's literally nothing bad about it um so I, there's definitely you know that that part of it but i will say this you know i think there is something to be said about discipleship i think there is yeah. something to be said about that element of it that i think is is absolutely crucial um absolutely i think it's important to men and women alike right because how many times during our men's bible study and i would assume this is the same way with the ladies that Yes, we have a curriculum that we try to get through um, <laughs> and we read and we and we highlight things we have notes on, right, that we study for a purpose. But how many times is it, hey, I, I, I saw this thing, I heard this thing, or hey, listen, I, you know what, I have this question, I'm struggling about this because I thought it was a certain way, but it's really not, or maybe some, uh, a, a younger Christian, hey, mm-hmm. what about, what does this mean, right? Yeah. How many times do we have really deep theological discussions that we all get something out of? Yeah, eight out of ten times I would not have been. I mean, it's yeah. it's, it's <laughs> almost every week yeah. um, that we do, and it's I can't tell you how many times where 
I'm not going to lie, right? It's been a, it was a rough Monday and I don't really feel like going to Bible study, but you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to go and I'm going to sit there and I'm going to, we're going to go through this book and I'm, I'm just going to get through it because I know I emotionally and spiritually, I need to be there. I know yeah. that I made a commitment to these guys. I'm mm-hmm. going to be there and I'll leave destroyed. Like Christ will break in on my life and like there, there, I mean, you know how, how it is. How there's, there's been yeah. times where we've gotten down. I mean, like there's not a dry eye in that room, yeah. right? And it's 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 those times. I was breaking up this last Monday, y'all were y'all were just killing me. Yeah, and it's 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 that you know sense of yes, the community, but it, it's 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 really important to get into the word and and have that that group you can go to, right? And the curriculum that we go through obviously is meant to you know we're going through like a spiritual leadership uh, curriculum. Um, as men of the church, but you know, the women are also going through their own book, right? Mm-hmm. That pertains to 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 them and and their duties in the church and the family that we can't even comprehend, right? We're not wired that way. Yeah. Um. But yeah, how how beneficial is it to have really that discipleship? And you couple that with the fellowship, and that 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 is where it comes together. That is what it's all about. So I mean, life groups, small groups. Ne- I would say necessary as a supplement. I would say so to your normal weekly church going. Uh, a, a lot of, I mean, our uh, our men's Bible study, or we could call it a life group that we do on Monday nights, changed the way I study my Bible, like the the way that I prepare. Uh, messages and the way that the Holy Spirit guides me through a passage when I'm when I'm getting ready to preach a message or even on on the, our other podcasts um, that we're going through the Psalms on like the way that I approach those now and just kind of allow the Holy Spirit to guide me through the passage came directly from uh, tactics or study methods that I learned in our life groups. Um, so yeah, the, I, I think they're, I think they're essential. I think we should have more of them. I think, uh, because I know that like, as far as like Bible study groups or life groups, like throughout the week, it's, it's the usual suspects most of the time. Right. I think we should have more of them and geared towards, uh, more varying, uh, demographics of our, of our church as well. Uh, you know, do our do our senior saints do they have something that they do on you know monthly, weekly? Uh, maybe maybe churches is the most that you know they can handle physically, but I mean, how great would it be for them to to have something? And uh, our our youth, you know, they they get together once or once a month usually. Um, but would would it be how beneficial would it be for for just one of our youth to stand up and be like, hey? why don't we do a Bible study twice a month and one of us is going to do the studying yeah. and lead the youth group. In well, how great would it be that. to start that young? Yeah. Right. I mean like, and be able to pivotal. Yeah. And be able to get in the word and start like studying that. Cause you're preparing to teach your peers. Um, man, I- I- imagine that they would know more by the time they were 21 than I know, than I knew at 35. You know what I mean? It'd, it'd be crazy. Um, oh, for, yeah, for I, sure. I, I, I think we should do it more. And I think churches should promote it more. And I think when we have, you know, members in good standing of the church that come up to the pastor and be like, Hey, would you, 
would you care if I just kind of started a Bible study for like anybody that wants to come on a Thursday night once a month? Um, I think as churches, we should support that as a ministry of the church. Um, create but, yeah. opportunities for people to get together and disciple each other. Well, we've even talked about that in our, in our men's Bible study, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's been Mondays where we've had a significant amount of people in that yeah. office. Um, and there's even been talks about, hey, you know, does it make sense to split off and do several, right? And, you know, maybe... Andrew doesn't really like to teach. Maybe Andrew takes <laughs> and it takes a group of people yeah. or maybe uh, maybe Tom does or I do or whatever. Um, that is discipleship, right? Mm-hmm. That's It's supposed to grow. And, and really, I think I, I think you find like three key things, right? There's there's unity with, with the men of the church, with your church family. There's accountability yeah. because I know that if something's going wrong, I can talk to the guys of that Bible study um, we all keep each other accountable mm-hmm. with going on in our lives. None of us are perfect, um, but there's accountability there and there's humility. Yeah, it's good. We, we, we keep ourselves humble to the word, humble to God, um, and humble to each other, right? We're all, we're all trying to grow. Um, we're all trying to learn what we can. Um, we all have the same purpose, right? And, and that's what it's all about. I think that's what it's all about. So absolutely absolutely encourage. And I, I would say this, you know, as we kind of close up here, if that's something that you've wanted, right. If, if that's something that you've said, you know, I'd, I'd like to be part of this group. Um, we do have a men's Bible study every Monday night in the office of the church at seven. Um, I'm not sure if it's every Tuesday, it might be every other Tuesday. Um, the women get together, but point is, if you want to be part of that, something speak up, let, yeah. some, let somebody know, let the, the, the leadership of your church know. Um, I know here for a fact they would be happy to or, or organize anything they can, help you in any way possible uh, to to make that come to fruition. That's absolutely scriptural. Um, it's it's it, it's such a great idea. Uh, and so if you're a member of a church and you, you don't go here at Lake Worth and you're like, well, I'd love to know like how to get one of those started. And I'd love to like, how do y'all, how do y'all go through a study? Like, what do you study? Um, so first and foremost, your pastor is going to be a great resource for that or your associate pastor. Um, but we would also be like more than happy to, to be a resource for you uh, so that maybe you can have something completely prepared to take to your pastor. And it just doesn't seem like you had this harebrained idea. Uh, feel free to reach out to us. You can get a hold of us at podcast at lakeworthbaptist.org. You can get a hold of us on Facebook or Instagram at LWBC uh, underscore publications. We'd love to hear from you. We'd also love to hear if you've got uh, an opinion or a question on campus churches, life uh, groups, uh, multi-site churches specifically, uh, or even just church truth. Like we heard you talk about this local church ecclesia thing. Could you explain that a little bit more? Uh, we have some material that we'd love to make available to you. One of them, I'm sure, um, our our pastor and our associate pastor would not mind us saying at all that we we would love to put a copy of still a baptist in your hand Absolutely. Uh, so yeah just get a hold of us and let us know and uh, don't forget to like and share the podcast if you're listening consistently uh, every like and share that you give the podcast is one more opportunity for someone out there in your facebook or your instagram feed to hear some truth and hear a presentation of the gospel so um we, that that's really our goal. That's what we'd love to see happen is just more people hear the name of Jesus.
So, Amen. Yep. Could not have said it better myself. You say something, Bryce? Nope. I said, yep. Oh, okay. Sorry. I thought you were... I guess I will. Um, on the topic of, you know, different discipleship, uh, you know, options, you know, if you listener, if your church does something cool as far as the fellowship and, and discipleship and you guys have an idea you want to share with us on something that we could implement. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I, I don't want to make it sound like we're masters at this stuff, you know, either. No, so, like, if all. you guys have a really cool idea that you're like, hey, our church does this and it works great, shoot us a message. Like, let us know because we are always looking for more opportunities um, to do more and more stuff. So, we, we'd love to hear from you on every aspect. Questions on how to get started or uh, share your expertise on yeah, activities, um, different activities yeah, we yeah. can start doing. Yeah, that's super cool, man. Thanks yeah. for bringing that up. No, I mean, and biggest the biggest point, right? We want to hear from you. Uh, we <laughs> want to engage with you. Um, we we want to hear from our audience and, and really, um, you know, have some kind of uh, dialogue, right? We definitely like that. Um, but um, yeah, I think we definitely took a deep dive in the well uh, this week. We'll be back next week with another episode. Have a great week, everybody. Stay safe. Thank you.